0: Podcast one. In the past few months, I've had my Facebook and Instagram accounts compromised and shut down. My PayPal hacked and money spent by some lowlife. And just recently, <laughs> I found over a thousand dollars of fraudulent transactions on my MasterCard. It was at that point that I realised us business owners need a good, hard talking to by one of Australia's leading cybersecurity experts. It's a bloody scary episode 528 of the 11 year old award winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast.
1: Yeah, I said, to a small business marketing show successful small business owners share their souls. The Marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo
0: Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of high stakes marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Guess what? Big episode today. Ex-black hat hacker, <laughs> not easy to say, turned cybersecurity expert, Bastian Treptel, puts the fear of God into us by explaining just how exposed we are as business owners in this hyper-digitized age. This week's Monster Prize draw winner has cleverly positioned themselves as an opinion leader by using my helpful marketing philosophy. Plus, I let you in on an upcoming guest who appeared on the podcast a few years ago And since then, has gone from strength to strength. I'm not attributing that to the podcast, but boy, have they grown a lot. And they will explain how. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketings HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, team, it's Sasha here from Hang My TV. I thought I'd take this opportunity on Thank You Day to say thank you very much for providing endless amounts of resources through your podcasts. I really appreciate everything you do. Enjoy following you and took this opportunity to uh, say good day. Sorry you weren't there to take the call, but uh, thank you for uh, everything you do. Thank you, Sasha from hangmytv.com.au. I know you've been a very long-time listener, Sasha, so thank you for your ongoing support and um, what a great niche you're in. And having spoken to you during the week, uh, a very successful niche as well. Uh, if you would like to call me, don't worry, I'm not going to pick the phone up. It's a voicemail kind of setup. Give us a buzz on 0480 015150. Leave me a message. I don't care what you say. If I like it, <laughs> I'll play it on air and you get a bit of promotion. 0480 015 Righto, let's meet Bastion Treptel founder of cybersecurity firm Control Group, that's CTRL Group, which, no surprise, is experiencing 70% growth year on year. Now, Bastion was once a black hat hacker. He was doing all the naughty stuff, breaking in, you know, to good people's accounts and businesses, But he realised the error of his ways, and when I say breaking in, I mean online, not like physically. (laughs) But he realised the error of his ways, and he started Control Group to protect business owners like you and I. Although I found him a little too late given what's happened to my business over the last few months. Losing access to my main socials and having some low life spend my hard-earned was annoying enough. But wait until you hear the stories of businesses Bastion has saved from the brink. And unfortunately, those he's had to walk to the bankruptcy court as their security breaches were crippling. But don't worry. Well, actually, do worry because there's stuff we need to do as business owners to secure things. Uh, Bastion is going to offer up a bunch of quick fixes that you can implement immediately to mitigate all the risks that actually are around us right now. And if you're really shitting yourself before listening to what he's got to say, then make contact with him through controlgroup.io, CtrlGroup.io. You are going to want to do this. Mention my name and you'll get a 15% off discount any of his services. Uh, you won't find that offer anywhere else. I started off by asking Bastian how scared us business owners should be when it comes to cybersecurity threat.
1: Unfortunately, you should be very scared. Cybercrime right now is the number one kind of risk for businesses. So if something's going to happen to you that's going to throw you into liquidation and cause you not to be here in the next sort of 24 months, you're looking at cybercrime. It actually became the most lucrative form of crime about three years ago as well. So you'd think the adult industry, drug trafficking, human trafficking, but no, it's cybercrime, number one most lucrative thing. So there's lots of people getting tempted into the field. Sadly, Australia is falling victim to it left, right and centre.
0: I fell victim to it a couple of months ago when my Facebook got hacked and shut down Instagram and Facebook, which, you know, by itself wasn't a great concern because I'm not a big fan of social media. But when they started um, spending my PayPal money on their ads because my PayPal was connected to my Facebook, that's when it became a concern. So what are the types of things, Bastion, that us small business owners need to be concerned about and I don't want to freak people out but this is real and it's getting realer as the days go by as you've you've just said but what do we need to be looking out for
1: some of the tech that's available these days for breaking into a small business and business, small businesses are actually a target I'll give you a little bit of a preface story first so we set up these businesses that on purpose get hit so the the aim is for hackers and scammers to educate us on their new scam. So we get to have a lot of fun and you know, take them down some pretty fun rabbit holes. So we get our few punches back under the belt sometimes too. But we got to go to an Asian country, Southeast Asian country, invited by the scammer to check out his operation. 180 staff, four-story building, HR managers, sick leave, training protocols, really mature and amazing business. They were after Australian executives. They were after real estate agents. They're after any kind of financial company, financial planners, anything like that. And they had psychologists employed to teach their, their f- telephone staff or their call centre operators who were primarily female how to take advantage of the Australian spirit, that giving nature or that trusting nature. That's what you're up against. On top of that, you're up against now bikey organisations here in Australia that have turned to cybercrime. Even outside of business people are being used or the IOT devices like your Amazon Alexas and your Google Homes, your webcams, they're get being used against you, even your social media profiles to tell you when you're not home. So then the biker gangs then get this information, go and raid your home and sell your jewellery, sell whatever. So you're getting this mishmash of worlds. In terms of business, what should you be worried about? Well, pretty much everything, sadly. They're after your data. You've got state players we recently saw with the Chinese attack against Australia, which wasn't mentioned to be Chinese, but was a bit of inside scoop there. They're after data, they're after information, they're after control. I mean, everyone's... The end game is always usually money or reputation or IP. And But we've got a 100% success rate. So every organisation that pays us to break into their organisation, we get in. And luckily, most hackers don't put the time and effort that we do. They're after quick wins. And that's what you need to make sure you're not on that list, that list of easy, quick wins for hackers. So, Bastion... I
0: guess there's probably this perception that this, as small business owners, we sort of sit in our little businesses and go, we don't need to worry about it because they're really after the big guys. But what you're saying is that if you're a one-person life coaching business, if you're a 10-person chiropractic practice, if you're a 20-person accounting firm, you have every reason to be concerned because you probably either they've tried to hack you or in the future, you most likely will be hacked in order to get access to your bank details, your, your database of email addresses. Um, they may want to be just be able to access your Facebook so they can defame you as these are all the things that they're they're after.
1: Yeah. I mean, it comes to down, dumb luck really. If I go back to my hacker days, right, you are looking at a list of IP addresses. I don't know if you're a CBA or you're a one-person chiropractor down the road. What I am looking for is I'm scanning all those IP addresses looking for a weakness. Whether your computer system or your router or your switch or your social media handles or something has a weakness that I'm looking for. And if your IP address happens to have that weakness, I'll come after you. A lot of the times now these attacks are automated. So it used to be way back in the day when I was hacking, uh, for nefarious purposes, you know, you attack one IP address and you check it for 15, 20 minutes and you see what you can find. Now there are scripts, there are automation tools, there's machine learning that just give me a list out of those IP addresses that I should consider is interesting and out of those IP addresses here are some that we can maybe do some financial scams on, phishing scams on, you name it. So you really are in a, in a jackpot of lotto except you're far more likely to win this one <laughs> or lose you should say. And uh, yeah, simple things like making sure that your devices are patched become critical because otherwise you will end up on that list. And sadly, a lot of people are on that list and have been hacked and don't even know it. 2.2 billion username and passwords are available online right now. So there's only 8 billion people in the world or nearly 8 billion. That's almost a quarter of the, or just over a quarter of the population have their email address and passwords posted online.
0: Give us a couple of examples, uh, Bastion, just to really, you know, put the fear of God into us, if it's not in us already, of smallish-sized businesses that have been maybe closed for good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, really sad to see a fairly young uh, wine manufacturer, producer of wine, invested significant money into exporting some some things overseas and had done pretty well, only sort of a four- or five-person operation, and uh, they got hit. They lost access to their machines. They had to pay a ransomware and that was enough for them to liquidate. They couldn't make payments. They didn't have any kind of cyber insurance. They didn't have any sort of means to escape it. And uh, yeah, the the Bitcoin that they wanted for the ransom was too much for them. They didn't want to negotiate and I sadly had to uh, walk them over to the administration's court.
0: Oh, geez. What a walk that would be. What was the entry point for the hackers into into that winery?
1: They'd been in that system, as far as we can tell, for about eighty days. Uh, just monitoring things like email systems. Their first entry point was they'd reset a bunch of invoices. So they contacted, and this is how they found out about it. They contacted all their suppliers and and all the people buying wine from them, saying, "Hey, our bank account details have changed." And already money started to siphon that way for well, them. That's how they became aware of it. As soon as the attacker knew that they had been kind of caught, then they issued a ransomware command and essentially locked out all their servers, all their command and control stuff for their wine bottling and all the rest of it. Yeah, gone.
0: Humorous with another example.
1: Oh, there's hundreds. I mean, if you, if you checked out the uh, SBS Insight program that we were on the other day, you can go and download that on SBS On Demand. A lady who just, a similar thing, had uh, a system that had been victim to ransomware, and ransomware is a very common type of attack. Email breaches are a very common attack. Stealing of IP and information... People need to realise that if they've got anything in their email system, consider that you're just yelling that uh, above uh, New York Square or something like that, Times Square in New York. Everyone who puts secure information into an email shouldn't. You should be using things like Teams. And a lot of the time, that's the entry point. Phishing is a huge entry point. Malicious injection via network systems that aren't patched, even phones. Have you all heard the the famous one recently with uh, Jeff Bezos? No. So Pegasus is a software developer who develops ways to pawn iPhones, essentially. And they were able to take control of his phone just by a phone call. He didn't have to answer it. He didn't have to click on the link. He didn't have to receive an SMS. Just by receiving that phone call was enough for them to track his movements. But there's, there's some scary tech out there at the moment, and a lot of it comes down to people just can't be bothered patching their things. When your phone pops up and says, hey, I need, uh, I need you to update my software, and you kind of click the later button for three weeks... That's where your risk period is.
0: God, jeez. I mean, listening to you, Bastian, I almost feel like it's pointless. In you know, like at some point, like yeah, I mean, I just feel like you know, I'm not the kind of guy that gives up, but I certainly feel like, geez, really, what can we do as small business owners? Clearly, we can use control group to, um, to you know, put in place measures that will limit the amount of cyber happy, ha- hacking that we're open to. And we'll talk about that later. But right now, what can we do? Give us like, I don't know, can you give us a top five?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So most small businesses these days will be using some kind of cloud stuff, whether it's Salesforce or whether it's Azure or, you know, not many people have got servers in their cabinets anymore or even an IT company looks after them. Number one, update your devices from your phones to your computers. Just get it done. Number two, put an endpoint detection and response system. They're pretty cheap these days. You can even get free ones. So the old you know, antivirus, as it was called, doesn't cost the mustard anymore. You need to look for an endpoint detection and response solution. You can get them for pretty cheap these days. Where from? Uh, look, there's lots of great players. Uh, Silence is a, is a good one that we recommend. Uh, Deep Instinct is another one we recommend. Uh, look, there's lots of CloudStrike, you name it. They're all great. As long as you get an endpoint detection and response system, you're covered for a lot of it.
0: Is that software or hardware? That's software. Okay.
1: So just an, an agent you install on your machine and they can usually managed by a, a cloud-based software provider. They'll manage your updates, they'll manage your risks. If you can afford it, and, and again, they're, they're pretty cost-effective these days using a company like ours and embedding what we call Blue Node, a screwed operation center that look after your devices for you. So we, if an attacker comes into your email system, we see it. If there's already an attacker in your system, and, and the analogy I use is, you're in the house and you're doing your, your business and you, you, you think that you're safe, but a lot of the time you've already got someone in your business. And that's pretty scary that they're looking at your emails and your communications and can do whatever they want with you. The other thing is password's a big one for people. In Australia, the amount of people that have their football team, their pets, their dogs, their parents' names, their kids' birthdays and their password. And if you, if you think like a hacker and you look at a keyboard, a keyboard's a, a big set of keys. You know, there's billions of possible combinations and it's really hard to guess but if you make it your football team, and I can find out your football team on social media, and there's software platforms that'll go out and it'll tell me what your interests are. It'll tell me what your birthday of your kids are, what your birthday is, your partner's date, your anniversaries, and it just pulls that out of Facebook, pulls it out of all their social platforms because there's so much information out there. Don't make your password that. I'll give you a really good tip. Um, My business partner is constantly trying to get me to write more LinkedIn posts. So about two years ago, my password was write more LinkedIn posts. With spaces and uh, capital letters, throwing some numbers in there as well. Everyone seems to think if you put an exclamation mark at the end of your password, it's secure. It's probably not. I'd uh, put a few dollars on a few of the listeners right now going to change their passwords, which is a good thing while we're doing these things. But yeah, just, just make it about topical, use words and phrases, easy to remember. Use a password manager is a good one as well, like LastPass. You don't even have to remember your passwords then.
0: I've tried LastPass. I've tried Dashlane. I've tried 1Password. They do my head in. I know they're good, but, gee, they you know, for something that should be so simple, they're incredibly complicated, and in the end, you just have to delete them because they're just auto-filling things that you don't want auto-filled, and I don't know. I haven't made them work. I have to spend more time on those because I know it is a good idea, and having a different password for every single thing that you are, you know, subscribed to is also very smart.
1: Yeah, look, they're getting better and better, and some of them have got the password reset feature built in for you now. Uh, But look, unless you get sort of some professional services to help you implement it properly, it can be a bit of a challenge. But once it is set up pretty well, you're right. I guess the big takeaway from this over those five points that we've covered is businesses, they're very lucky because hackers are lazy. Like, for example, if if you have a decent-sized business and you've got external endpoints and you've got a firewall and things like that, you really should be running vulnerability scanning and calling the external network. And that's the same thing that a hacker does. We call it dark vision. So using our dark vision tool, we scan to see what's talked about you on the dark web, whether you've got any username and passwords out there. And we recently went out to a a board team of nine members and seven of them had username and passwords that had been leaked on the dark web. I can't remember if there was two or three of them, their passwords they were still using to access their business systems right now. That's just sitting dark. And, and unfortunately, they already had attackers in there. So, look, hackers are lazy. Do the things to take yourself off that low-hanging fruit kind of tree. As long as you just add some level of complexity, the hacker will move on to the next target. Because unfortunately, in Australia, there is just a plethora of easy targets.
0: Tell me, you mentioned early on, Bastion, about um, Google Alexa and, and the various devices we have now in our homes that we can talk to, plus it's very clear that our phones are listening to every single word we are saying because the ads that are popping up are becoming increasingly relevant. And that's a good thing. But, you know, I purposely, I mean, I've got a phone obviously, but I haven't got any of these kind of Google Alexa type devices at home because I just don't want people listening. I mean, do you? What have you got at home?
1: Yeah, look, the draw towards having your home automated and ease is fantastic. And I did used to have sort of all these products, but all it takes is to go and check out a, a site called Hack5, H A K 5, and look at their, their breaches against Amazon Alexa and Google Home. And uh, you'll see it's quite frightening what you can pull off. And even, I mean, the mistreatment of information within these organizations. So there was the example of the, the bloke who contacted Amazon and asked for his, all the information on him. And they, they sent him a two, gigabit, sorry, two gigabyte file, and it wasn't him. And within that file contained someone who obviously had two of these automation devices and they were having private conversations, there was lovemaking in there, there was a whole heap of stuff you wouldn't want out in the world and they just by blunder, we call that insider threat, had just given that information to the wrong person. So look, they're, they're great and these tools are fantastic and they make our lives easier, really exciting things, you know, automation, machine learning, artificial intelligence, but You really have to consider what data you're giving these things and what data they're exposed to. We do educations for boardrooms and the information that's talked about in a boardroom is highly secure, yet they don't even consider that something worth, you know, buttoning up. They'll have an Amazon Alexa in there. They'll have their phones all on and recording with their assistants ready to go, and that's just a hacker's wet dream.
0: (laughs) (laughs) question <laughs> oh boy i'm sweating here in the studio right now <laughs> listening to all this and thinking about what's what's you know, ahead ahead of us all um, I, I want to talk about how you got into this and, and the business that you've set up but for all those listening who are feeling a little bit scared like me um, you can go to Bastion's business control group which is ctrl group.io um, and if you mention you heard about Bastion on this podcast or you mention my name you'll get 15% off any of the services that those guys offer and by the sounds of it it sounds like a pretty smart
1: thing to do Bastian
0: you're a black hat hacker back in the day
1: you were one of these guys I was look I was probably more curious I I guess black hat is a, a bit of a marketing term if you dig into my past you know I was always very curious I think I deafened all the animals in our neighbourhood by some kind of Dick Smith's whistle kit uh, at a young age. (laughs) And then, you know, even taking apart my uh, father's telescope and not quite figuring out how the lenses went back together and it's still blurry to this day. Um, And then someone gave me a computer and it was an extension of that, just finding out how it worked. And yes, I did get in a bit of trouble. Yes, I did manage to. What
0: was your biggest win? And I'm using air quotes
1: here. (laughs) Well, it was pretty much, it goes to that sort of hackers uh, are a bit lazy and, and kind of, opportunistic. Um, mine was an executive uh, had taken home a, a device and, and had NBT stat net running on that device. And what, what
0: is that? NBT, what's that?
1: So I ran an NBT stat attack, but they were running that So it's just, a, it's a, it's a, a an old way of, of systems communicating. Right. Which is still around on a lot of systems, but essentially that guy was unlucky. I did a an attack on that device, I used some some software, I was essentially a script kiddie, you wouldn't have even really called me a black hat hacker back then, I was a script kiddie, I downloaded some stuff called Pequok, managed to get the username and password, managed to get onto his machine, uh, and then it was belonging to an executive of a bank and he had some databases on there that they probably didn't want me to have, and then he took that device back to where he came from, and I kept nosing around. So that, that was probably the biggest thing, that's what I got in trouble for. But again, it was just opportunistic and for me it was just about what can I get into, what can I check out, what can I have a look at.
0: So your your intention back in the day is an annoying little, whatever you called yourself, script key kid or whatever is, was just simply script kiddie, to yep. see if you could get in. Once you're in, you're like, job's done. I don't need to kind of trash
1: this place. I did all sorts of weird things. like I would find pornography material on people that I knew were married and happened to know who they were because they're on the network that we we're on and back then people shared subnets with their ISPs and there was no, no kind of firewalls between everyone and I would just leave a little message on their desktops so I know. I mean I was so young I guess naive enough to think that no one really did that but yeah would leave messages on their machine saying hey go back to your wife I've deleted all your material or something like that but yeah.
0: Describe the moment you decided to clean up your act.
1: Uh, Look, a a family friend of ours got hit pretty bad by cybercrime and they'd done all the right things and they weren't able to pay their staff wages and they went down the toilet and tried to give them a hand to uh, get back on their feet and realise just how exposed nearly all businesses were really. But still, it took me a long time. I ended up working in the private sector for a long time, Fujitsu, uh, EDS, uh, Seek, uh, before I started my own business. Okay,
0: so you went you went into the private sector as I guess what they call a white hat hacker. So you were the guy who could get in there and and find the um, the weak points.
1: Later on, initially, I just went in there as a, just a general IT guy, just uh, learning. Like I remember, okay, uh, I Glenn Emerson down at Fujitsu, if he's ever listening, um, yeah, he took me under his wing and taught me all things network and Cisco, and I did a lot of studies myself. I think to be a good hacker. And just the term hacker as well for everyone, it's basically to take some kind of device or system and use it for a purpose that it wasn't intended for. That could be, you know, I'm always forever taking apart my car and trying to make it faster form of hacking. But yeah, he he kind of taught me a lot of things and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And to be a good hacker, you kind of need to know a lot of things about everything, not just technology, physical things, chemistry, psychology, you name it.
0: So in 2017, you finally decide, okay, there's a business here, and clearly there's a business that's going to keep on growing exponentially over the coming years. You launched Control Group. Is that the first business that you've owned, and and how did you get it to market?
1: Uh, look, I've been a bit of a serial entrepreneur for years. My first ever company was a company called I Learnt. so i with learn and then t, kind of IT learn, uh, and I was teaching old people to use computers. But, look, yeah, look, uh, c Group, I guess the, the first company that's had some real success for me. Um... Yeah, my business partner, Steve, uh, heard a lot of the things I was talking about. We'd been warning people about cyber for years and no one had really listened. Everyone kind of took the attitude, look, we haven't been hacked so far, so we don't really care. Please go away, annoying person. But Steve kind of really took the business ideas that I had, technical ideas, and uh, I wasn't able to phrase a lot of them. He, he kind of helped me paraphrase it in a way that everyone could understand. And uh, yeah, then we kind of took it to market. And Steve was actually going to be interesting for you guys, uh, really a believer in marketing as well with uh, Sahan, who changed my perception of what marketing could be, and we went down this sort of growth hacking journey, and it's been really, really amazing to see how far that's come.
0: Well, let's talk about that, because I mean, launching only three years ago, it's sort of like, not dissimilar to an accountant. I mean, accountants, there's no shortage of business, and a cybersecurity business like Control Group, again, no shortage of business, but you are marketing. And I know in the conversation we had off air, you weren't a believer in marketing when you started the business, but you've completely done a 180. What caused that 180 for you to now go marketing is is everything from a business growth perspective?
1: Well, we had a really good message. When we got in front of someone, we, our conversion rate was amazing. I actually don't know the numbers, but it's, it's north of 70%. Once you're actually in front of someone, they've got the money, Uh, we can explain what we've got. And and it's been really fun actually to have big organisations tell us, you know, we've had five people trying to come in here and explain cyber to us and you're the only one who made sense. That's fantastic feedback. And and what was, I guess, the turning point? Look, Steve would march me on stages and I'd be frightened and freaking out and uh, also podcasts like this and I just didn't see the value in it. I actually thought it was a waste of time Uh, and it wasn't until business started to come to us. Uh, which was amazing. You know, we'd we'd spent all this money on sales guys, which a lot of the time didn't work out. We'd spent all this money on radio ads, which, again, didn't really work out. And all these things, we'd, we'd spent you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get our message out there. And it wasn't until we did the webinars, the stage presence, the email marketing systems, the, the podcasts, the you know, getting on TV and just getting the message out there, and Sahan's been pivotal in that, that really got the clients coming to us. And, and once they do that, that's amazing. And even being the go-to guy or seen as the go-to guy, that when you have a cyber incident, give us a call and we're going to help you out. Because most of the time when they have people have a cyber incident, they're in panic mode. There's these scary people on the other end of the phone or the email demanding Bitcoin or ransomware and you can't get to your data in a panic state and you haven't done the simulation to know what to do or how to run those things. You need that helping hand and that, that's, we've become the go-to people for that, which is fantastic.
0: Uh, it's, it's no con- no surprise that your conversion rate is so high because once you start once you start a conversation with someone like we did at the top of this pot at this interview, you know you can very easily instill fear, whether you want to or not. But it's it's a it's a reasonable strategy. I mean, you don't even need to go out with the intention. I mean, anything that you're going to share with a prote- potential client is going to be like, well, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, and if that happens, then this will be the result. I mean, the client's just going to be full of fear, and it's like, what? What can you do to stop that? So the conversion rate, uh, yeah, would be very high. Y- your number one source of inquiry, though, would be what podcast we're not speaking from stage anymore
1: yeah look it'd be it'd be tv um it'd be podcast it would be tv being as in because you've got
0: a few regular spots on programs a few segments yeah. Is that yeah that yeah channel
1: thing? seven uh, a few bits and pieces on channel nine uh
0: how did that come about did you have a publicist reach out to these networks and say hey listen we've got a cyber hacker expert he's, he can speak you know he's not an it geek he's locked in a dark room hello to all you it geeks
1: well, look, it all comes from our friends here at Podcast One, to be honest with you. Um, oh, there we go. We started with Podcast One, and they they did some great work to get us on some media channels, mm-hmm. and then as soon as we got on there, you know, I, I started to like the idea of getting the, the makeup ladies <laughs> doing my face and making me look pretty, and it's flowed from there. It, it sort of started with Channel 7, then Channel 9, then Sunday Report, I think was the first big one, SBS Insight, and a few other bits and pieces, and... Yeah, it's just been fantastic. I mean, that realization when you build a website, for example, say three years ago or even one of my first businesses and you're like, super, this is awesome, the website looks great and you're checking that traffic counter each day and you're like two or three or zero and it's pretty upsetting. You're like, right, well, I've built this thing. Why aren't the people coming? Yeah. Uh, and then you've got to kind of get all these different pieces and for us that was email marketing, you know, Automating that process as well, so making sure we were getting out there, LinkedIn, creating automated process. So we were looking at, we were using a lot of the cyber automation tools that we'd been using for hacking, and then using that outside of what we call security operations to kind of hack our our marketing. And that was really prevalent with LinkedIn. That was really prevalent with um, Facebook and other bits and pieces, and it all just snowballed. And I, I don't know if there's one main source, but I guess it was. A whole bunch of people that came together to to really drive people to our website, drive people to our brand, and now it kind of uh, you couldn't put it out if you wanted to.
0: I like the fact that on your site you have a section devoted to strategic partnerships, which is obviously finding people who will go and do the sell for you. How's that working? Have you got an example of, of a profitable strategic partnership?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our partners are absolutely fantastic and Yeah, now you've jogged my memory. They probably are our greatest lead source. (laughs) I'm banging on about all this marketing. But look, the marketing led them to us and and led us to them. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention them all, but yeah, we've got some some fantastic strategic partners that take us into deals. And like you said, you know, we might only have a smallish sales team, but they've got sales team of 150 plus, most of our average partners. And they're just feeding us information. I think key to a strategic partner as well is making sure you provide value for them. So when we go in, for example, most of our strategic partners are uh, managed security provi- sorry, managed service providers. They're providing IT services. And there's a lot of managed su- service providers out there. We'll go in there and say, this is all the scary crap coming out in the world. These are the things that you've already pre-configured to stop that scary stuff happening. Here are the shortfalls that you've got. Here are the gaps in your system. You need to go and implement this, this, and this. And we've been really strategic about not going after that market. We won't do any kind of managed services work then we can give this big laundry list to our partners and say, hey, you gave us this lead, but now here's a bunch of work that you've got to go and do. And often that makes the client more lucrative than they would have been in the first place for them. So yeah, that, that kind of back and forth has been really important. And, and yeah, the, the podcast and the TV work and the media work and the email campaigns is where we kind of got those partners. And not to short sell you know, our amazing account managers and general managers, I'll call that Campbell. He's a, an amazing guy and he's created some amazing relationships along the way.
0: You're three years old? the business control group. Um, give us a sense of size. Where, where's it at these days? Number of employees? Can you talk turnover, percentage growth year on year? What, what can you tell us?
1: Steve would kill me if I did that because, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got some interesting chats happening at the moment. Look, uh, yeah, we've got uh, 70% year on year growth uh, since we started. Obviously, the first year was a fair bit more than that in terms of growth. Uh, we've got offices here in Melbourne. We've got presence in Sydney, Singapore, Thailand, uh, we've got some amazing clients. I, again, I don't know how many of them I can actually mention, but
0: uh, you don't need to just just to, like you've got you've got everything from small businesses to quite significant global brands.
1: Yeah, like you have a jump on our website, we look after you know some of the biggest miners in the world, some of the biggest fast food chains in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's actually been an amazing part of our journey. I remember thinking when we first started, how are we going to get those keystone clients that are going to cause other clients to come to us? And it was Campbell and Sahar and Steve that really started to get the first ones. And all of a sudden, we were kind of big in the in the asset management space and the building space. And then mm-hmm. somehow that led to uh, some fast food chains coming on board. And yeah, all of a sudden, you look at our, our sheet now and it's just, it almost looks like a Formula One sponsorship wall. So yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: That's awesome, mate. Well, you know, and clearly that's going to grow into the future. Bastian, thanks for scaring the pants off us all. It hasn't been the most enjoyable interview. <laughs> I'd love the second half of hearing how the business is growing, but boy oh boy, I mean, we are in—we are in for a bumpy ride um, as the years go by because this stuff's only going to get more prolific. And you know, I was only listening to something. I was listening to a podcast, might have been two nights ago, where. Even the ability for hackers to copy our voices—you know—they can take a sample of our voice, and the next thing you know, you can—you know—you might come across yourself having an entire conversation that you actually never had.
1: It's pretty scary. We're seeing this right now in Australia. We're seeing financial organisations get targeted hardcore. If your own accounts payable right now, there'll be information about you on the dark web, and I know that sounds scary, but make sure you don't have too much information, such as your voice, online. So if you've got videos, and you don't need much. Voice, we can synthesize with about 45 seconds of voice. And we've seen attacks in Australia already. We've seen an MNA acquisition attack where 11 million euro was transferred and gone. And all that was was basically someone synthesizing someone's voice. The CFO was talking to the CEO. It was talking to the other company. One of those people in that party wasn't who they said they were. They said, let's do this deal, sounds good, transfer the money to this bank account, contracts are signed, let's get it done, and away it went. We've seen smaller businesses, like you said, like the those financial planning ones. This is actually a really good example. Lady was, high wealth individual was on holidays, and uh, the financial planner knew that she was on holidays, and then the hacker knew this as well, used Messenger to dial the financial planner and said, hey, I'm, I'm away, the reception's crap, you know, Sorry about the voice quality, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I've heard about this really great investment. I need you to transfer, I can't remember how much it was, 100 grand or so, to this bank account ASAP. Use this as my authority to do so because normally they'll message back. The financial planner didn't message back to authenticate the lady because she knew she was on holidays. All well, money's gone. Wow. Video fakes are the same thing. So video fakes, you can now use commercial-grade uh, video cards to things the size of someone's face. And we did this for the 7, 7.30 report, or Sunday report, I can't remember. And we synthesized a face within a day and, and that, had that person saying things that they just didn't say, which is can be used for a multitude of attacks, especially when you've got some psychologists trying to put some stuff together.
0: Like I said, team, um, go to control, that's ctrlgroup.io. Mention the fact that you've heard about Bastion and what the work they're doing uh, on this podcast or mention my name. You'll get 15% off. Bastion, um, what can you do as a starting point? Do you do a quick audit? Is it, a, is it a monthly membership type setup? What can you do for the small business owner listening if they do contact you?
1: Look, it just depends. We've got a bundle, so we don't want to uh, hit you with a big expense straight up. So it's all pay-as-you-go services, all bundled in, one fixed cost. Um, first thing we usually recommend is what we said before. Figure out what the bad things are out there. Figure out what the appetite for your industry is. See what you've got currently protected, and we'll give you a roadmap to get you up to the level. And then we'll put our protective blanket over you, which we call our Blue Node Security Operation Centre, and that's where we detect the bad guys and stop them getting in.
0: That's awesome. I love the language, putting a protective blanket over you, taking a service that's intangible and making it feel very tangible, very clever. Bastion Treptal, mate, uh, again, thank you for scaring the pants off us
1: and uh, good luck going forward. Thank you very much, Tim. Appreciate it.
0: Well, there you go, team, cybersecurity expert, now white hat hacker, love that, Bastion Treptill of Control Group. Now, if you'd like to get a bit of that protective blanket he mentioned, I love that word, that phrase, then he's kindly offered a whopping 15% discount off all Control Group services. Just got to head over to controlgroup.io, that's C-T-R-L, group.io. Mention you heard him on this podcast or mention my name and he'll look after you with that 15% discount. Right, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with cybersecurity expert Bastian Treptal. Attention grabber number one, we're all vulnerable. The idea that it's only the top end of town that gets hacked is absolutely bullshit. Do whatever you can to protect your precious business right now. All the great marketing in the world is next to useless if your business gets hacked, trust me. Secure things, you know, batting down the hatches, as they say. Attention grabber number two. I like how Bastion's positioning himself as his industry's main thought leader by producing a regular podcast, tick, as well as securing regular spots on national TV and radio, tick, tick. And attention grabber number three. I love his overall respect for the power of marketing and the impact it can have on growing a business, I reckon you've got that respect as well because you listen to this podcast. Well done to you. That's what caught my attention. I seriously would love to know what grabbed yours or maybe you've been hacked or you've had some cybersecurity breach or whatever it is. Give us, give the small business, big marketing hotline a buzz on 0480 015 150 and leave a message. Let me know. I might play it on air. You get some free promotion. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Yes, indeedly, doodly. doodly, It is time to reward another motivated business owner for listening to this podcast, but more importantly, for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is... Canadian ski resort owner, Brian Davis of Snow Goose Mountain Park and Resort. And Brian says, Timbo... I've been listening to your podcast for dog's ages now. (laughs) That's good. So for every year you've been listening, it's actually seven. I like that, Brian. So long, I don't even remember when our anniversary is. (laughs) Yours and mine. Love it. The podcast sits at the top of my playlist, and each new episode is like a weekly treat that I look forward to very much. A weekly treat. Is there a sort of a dog thing happening here? (laughs) But I like the fact that my podcast is a treat for you, Brian. He says, in an episode I listened to recently, you had a question from a bloke about his marketing, and you took a look at his website and ran through a list of ways he could improve it. That I did. One of the suggestions was to build an FAQ section, frequently asked questions to the great unwashed, and make it so each question had its own page. So since we are in hospitality, recreation and tourism, I knew that would be a great way to position Snow Goose Mountain Park and Resort as the go-to source of information for your visit and adventure in Labrador, Canada. (laughs) I knew there was a dog thing going on. Treats, dog's ages, Labrador is where he's from. I love it. Woof, woof. So guess what? I am working on that right now, Timbo, implementing a little piece of the marketing goal that seems to always be dripping from the ceiling over at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. Thanks for all you do, Timbo. Look us up when you come visiting Labrador, would you? Brian Davis, Snow Goose Mountain Park and Resort. I wish I could be visiting soon, but mm, pretty unlikely right now, Brian. Hey, Brian, for going to that trouble, I can't send you any prizes because you are way over the other side of the world. However, you get promotion on this show. You get a bank click back backlink, bank link, you know what I mean, backlink in the show notes, which Google love. And um, I'm forever grateful for your ongoing support. Everyone else, just send me an email or give us a buzz and tell me what marketing is working for you as a result of listening to this show and what impact it's had on your business. If I read it out on air, you win. So next week, we catch up with past guest and Shark Tank success story, Travis Osborne of Mobile Tire Shop. Now, when he appeared on this podcast a few years ago, his business was just getting off the ground. But since then, it literally has gone from strength to absolute strength. He now has a national presence, has 55 staff, 100,000 customers, and each of his 80 vans is doing around 700 grand a year. So I look forward to hearing how he's done it, and Travis is very transparent in sharing his growth hacks and strategies. Hey, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, be sure to join the Small Business Big Marketing tribe on Facebook. We've got over 700 members sharing ideas, pushing each other to be better business owners every day. If you want to read a bit about marketing, grab a copy of The Boomerang Effect, my book, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. And if you've got something to tell me, give the Small Business Big Marketing hotline a buzz on 0480. If you love the show, there's 527 more episodes over on the Podcast One Australia app and has been the case for the past 11 years. The podcast is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and cleverly stuck together by the Araldite team over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.